blessed to bless. I love this series that Pastor has been um, preaching on. Uh, as we were coming over, Rebecca and I were talking, and she was just saying this series has so much power in it, and it does. There's power in this message, and so I'm believing. I'm excited to be with you, and um, you're going to get my full attention, so I, ha- I hope to have your full attention as I communicate the Word of God this morning. We're going to focus on multiplying through mentoring. Our, our first focus will be multiplying through mentoring. A man was driving home from work one evening, and then suddenly he realized that he forgot to buy his little daughter a gift because it was her birthday. So he stopped off to off at a Toys R Us, and he rushed in, and he asked the attendant, how much is that Barbie in the window? The assistant replied in a disinterested tone, which Barbie? We have Barbies that go to the gym for 1995. We have Barbies that go to the ball for 1995. Barbie goes shopping for 1995. Barbie goes to the beach for 1995. Barbie goes nightclubbing for 1995. And, the, and of course, the divorce of Barbie for $250. The overwhelmed man asked, why is the divorced Barbie $250 and all the others 1995? That's obvious, said the attendant. The divorced Barbie comes with Ken's house, Ken's car, Ken's furniture, everything that Ken once upon a time owned. The mentoring relationship is, a, is about relationships. Mentoring is about relationships. And, and sometimes men, mentoring, sometimes relationships don't work out, but sometimes they do. And, and sometimes we are even surprised by the relationships that work out. There are two men that pastors have been talking about, Elijah and Elisha, these two prophets. And we've been focusing on them, and they were like an unlikely couple. They were like an unlikely relationship, but this relationship worked out. It represented different generations and opposite personalities, but God brought these two men together to fulfill the work of God that he had for Israel at that time. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 5-14. through 14. You can read along with me. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you, but if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah was, was, went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. 
And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Let's talk about this mentoring relationship. We have the mentor who is Elijah, the older prophet. He was a great prophet called to Israel at that time. And he walked many years alone. He walked many years alone. He was the one who brought fire down from heaven. And he went up against all the prophets of Jezebel. He was a mighty man. But this man came to understand that he needed a successor. He needed someone to come after him. And it took a matter of trust to be a mentor. He thought he was the only one left in all of Israel that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. But he came to the place of understanding, you know what, I'm not always going to be on this earth. I'm going to to one, one day pass on. And who is coming after me? And that's what a mentor does. A mentor understands that if my work dies with me and is gone after I am gone, then I have not passed my mantle on to the generations coming behind me. I need to pass on what the Lord has given me so that future generations can take up the mantle and continue going forward with the Spirit of God on their lives. That is so important. It is so important that we are mentors of what God has taught us and has placed in our lives. Paul said that. Paul told his protege, Timothy, the young pastor, he said, he said in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, he said, You have heard me what I have taught. You have heard what I have taught. Now take what I have taught and and teach others. Find trustworthy people and pour into them what I have poured into you. So it's important to be the mentor. Who are you mentoring? Who are you training up after you? Who are you building up through your words and through your example? We are all mentors in one way or another. As a parent, we are a mentor. As in our, in our job places, people are looking to us to see what kind of job we will do. We are mentors. And so it's time that we take the risk of pouring into someone else. That we see gold in other people and we say that I'm going to build you up. I'm going to give to you what God has given to me so that you can go farther than I ever went. So that you could stand on my shoulders and you can do even greater things for the kingdom of God after I am gone. We all need a mentor in our lives. We all need a mentor. We need to find someone that has 
been there and done that, who has experiences that we have yet to experience so that they can teach and train us. We need spiritual fathers and mothers. And so in this house, we believe that we pass things on to the next generation because we don't know how long it will be that God will tarry before he comes. So we want the work to continue to go on and on. We want this place to be filled up. We understand that this work is not a static work, but it is to grow. It is to multiply. It is to continue to go forth. And that's why we believe in mentoring. And then we have Elisha. Elisha, he's the, men, the mentee. Elisha, Elisha, he was a young man and, and he heard the call of God on his life. One day when he was plowing, Elijah comes and he throws his mantle on him. What did that mean? It meant that Elijah was calling him to be his servant. He was calling him to be his mentee. And, and what Elisha had to do was say yes to that call. He had to decide Am I going to become Elijah's servant? Am I going to serve the prophet of God? And that's what we have to do. When the call of God comes to us, we get to choose whether we will answer it or not. God is not going to force us to follow him. He's not going to force us to do his will and his work. We get to choose. But let me tell you something that I've learned. It's not just a one-time deal. It's a process. It's a process of obedience and walking. As we walk, we come to places just like the journey of Elijah and Elisha. They came to the first place, Gilgal, when we understand a place of beginning. And they came to that place. And Elijah said, I'm going to go on to another place. And he said, you can stay here. I'm going to go on. And Elijah, Elisha had to make the decision, am I going to go on to the next place with, with my mentor? And then when they got to the next place, which was Bethel, Elijah says, I'm going to go on. And Elisha had to decide once again to go on or not. And each place in our lives, God will come and ask you, do you want to go on? Do you want to go on? Do you want to go forward? Because I'm never going to force you to do my will. And we have to, we come to places where we're going to make decisions. Am I going to go my own way, God, now? Or am I going to follow after you? I said I would follow after you. But in this moment when I don't understand, in this moment of difficulty, I have to choose again to say yes to you. That my yes, that I meant my yes, that I said when I, when you first called me. That my yes from yesterday is still my yes today. That I'm going to go forward in that. I remember when I was 21. And I, I first married my husband. I was 21 years old. And at that time, I knew what he was going to be. I knew he had a calling on his life. And I knew a little bit what that meant. That if I was going to say yes to this marriage, to this man, that it was going to mean most likely a life in ministry. And I had to decide that. Is this the way you want to go? Is this what you want to do in your life? 
And I did. That was my yes because I had come to the place that God had delivered me. He had, he had saved my life. And I came to the place of saying, God, whatever you ask of me, I want to do it. I choose and I say yes. I choose you and I say yes. So that was a decision that I made. And then not long after that, we went to our first pastorate in Arizona. And when I got there and I saw the church, I remember one day we had a, we were, we lived in an apartment and there was a little walk-in closet. And I went into that closet and I got on my knees and I, I just basically sobbed because I said, God, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to do what you're asking me to do. I I can't lead these people as a pastor's wife. I'm not qualified. And so I got on my knees and I said, but if you've called me to this, I believe that you're going to give me the strength that I don't have. And I said, yes, again. I said, yes. And then we came here. And the first time we came here, you know how you get off of 99 and it's, it's 18 miles in here to Dinuba and to Cutler Rossi. And all I saw was fields and fields passing by. And I was like to my husband, where in the world have you brought me to, right? But little did I know that this yes would be one of my greatest yeses. Because when I said yes to the Lord, and I said yes to ministry, and I said, Lord, I'm going to serve you full time, and I'm going to give you my life, that this yes would be the greatest thing that I could choose to do with my life. Because there is nothing greater than being in the will of God for your life. There is nothing greater than serving the purpose of God that he has for you in your generation. So we see this relationship of having mentors and mentees. That there is a journey that we walk. And that's why we need both. We need both mentors and mentees. So as we look at this relationship, we have seen that the process toward double portion involves decision and determination. The purpose of double portion is demonstration. Now this brings us to the second half of this message And I want to say that again. The purpose of double portion is for demonstration. Now, when they got to the rivers of the Jordan, we see that they crossed over on dry land. And then after Elijah was taken up into heaven in the whirlwind, we see that Elisha takes up the mantle of Elijah. And what does he do? He goes to the Jordan and he strikes it. Now, this is what the mantle represented. It was the mantle of the prophet. It was like a sheepskin. It was like a a garment that they wore upon them. And that identified them as a prophet. And we see that this mantle, it symbolized the power and authority of the prophet's office. That they were actually clothed with power to demonstrate the message they declared. They were clothed. That's what the mantle represented. Power and authority. They were clothed. They wore that mantle that identified them as a prophet. And it's just like what Jesus said to his disciples. Jesus said this, I'm going to send you what my father promised. 
But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And we see that in Luke 24, 49. And there's this parallel. We see this connection that the Spirit-filled Bible points out that the entire passage of 2 Kings 2, 9-15 provides an interesting Old Testament parallel to Acts 1, 4, verses 9 and Acts 2, 1-4. through Elijah went into heaven. Elisha sought the promise of empowerment to carry on his master's ministry, and he received it. In a similar way, Jesus ascended, the disciples awaited the promise, and the Holy Spirit descended to empower them to carry on the work that their Lord began. The Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, and they were clothed with power, with power. And that's what happens with us. As we have come to receive Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And he is now the working agent. He is now the working power in our lives. And as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to fulfill every task, to fulfill every mission, to fulfill every calling that Jesus has called us to fulfill. Because we are clothed. We are clothed just like the prophets of old were clothed. We are clothed to do what God has called us to do. Now, what if you were on your way to church this morning, and you drove up, and you saw me and Pastor, and he had the Red Baron that he calls his red truck. You saw that we were pushing the Red Baron on our way to church, and you came up beside us, and, and then you asked us if our truck had broke down. And we said, no, we're just pushing it. We're just pushing it to church this morning. Now, um, wouldn't you think, like, we were a little bit, something was going on a little funny with us, that maybe um, there was something, we were maybe losing it, right? (laughs) Like, you would wonder why we were pushing the truck instead of driving it. But this is a correlation of what we as Christians do at times today. That we are sometimes pushing our lives through our own human effort, our own striving, our own struggling, when we actually have the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, available to us. God, I can so identify with that. I can so identify with that because sometimes I'm trying to figure things out in my own means. I'm trying to, to see how is this going to work out? How, how is this going to come together? And there goes my mind. I'm strategizing. I'm, I'm, I gotta look this up. I gotta, I gotta see how that's going to work out. I gotta talk to this person when actually the best thing I can do is say, Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is the, the situation that's in front of me. You know. You understand. It says you, you see everything. So here I am. I bring this impossible situation to you. 
What are you going to do? Because I'm just going to follow your lead. I'm just going to believe that you're working all things out for my good. I'm just going to say, oh God, I'm holding on to you. And I'm going to wait till you bring things about that I cannot do on my own. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to say this is not in my hands, but it's in your hands. That it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to rely on the Spirit's power in my life. Look at this statement. The power of the Holy Spirit is not for puff or poof, but for proof. (laughs) Now, you know that's a pastor angel statement. Only he can bring that about. And it's really saying that it's not something light. The glory of God is not something light, but it's heavy and it's tangible. It's not smoke and mirrors where we believe in something and then it goes away. No, the glory of God is real power. It's real power. It's mighty power within us. And I want to say this to us today. The problem before you doesn't compare to the power that's on you. That situation today, it's no match for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So you're able to face anything that you're facing. And I say to you, in the name of Jesus, stand up to the mountain and say, be thou removed. Stand up this morning and say, I'm going to pray and I'm going to see that this problem, this situation, it will be removed because I believe in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the mantle is to dismantle. The mantle is to dismantle. The late 16th century definition of the old French word dismantler means destroy the defensive capacity of a fortification. Destroy the defensive capacity of a fortification. And this talks about what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about. That we have weapons that are not carnal, but mighty through God. There are spiritual weapons that are able to pull down strongholds. They're able to dismantle strongholds. And the way that I picture this is to see a big, huge dismantler truck that comes up on a a building and that has been set to be destroyed. And that bulldozer is pushing it aside. It's dismantling. It's tearing down the steel. It's tearing down the iron. It's tearing down the concrete. And sometimes the enemy has bound up our loved ones, has bound up our minds. But we have power through the Holy Spirit that the lies are being torn down. The lies of the enemy, the destruction of the enemy is being torn down. And the mighty work of God is being worked in the lives of our minds and hearts and souls, just like in the minds and the hearts and souls of our loved ones, as we utilize our power and authority. We have great power. We have great power, but sometimes that power is untapped. Sometimes it's an untapped power. It's waiting for us 
to, uh, for us to utilize it. So I say today, plug in to the power. Plug in to the power and utilize all that the Holy Spirit has given you. And pray in the Spirit and say, I believe that God is going to give me the victory. That He's going to break down strongholds. He's going to change hearts and minds of loved ones that I cannot change, but the Holy Spirit can change. He's going to change things in my workplace that I cannot change, but the Holy Spirit can go where no man can go, and he can bring down strongholds. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, and the second part is what we want to focus on. It says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And then Jesus commissions. He gives his disciples specific instructions and he sends them out to share the message of the kingdom. He says this, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he tells them how to demonstrate it. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Notice that declaration followed by demonstration. Declaration followed by demonstration. After Jesus had resurrected from the dead and ascended back to heaven, the apostles continued the work that they had initially been instructed to carry out. And it says this in Mark 16, 15 through 20, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. That means demonic powers. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And we see that declaration accompanied by demonstration. I like what Willie Tata says. So often we, as the people of God, are following signs and wonders. But signs and wonders should be following us. The Apostle Paul stated, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And we here at CWC Life, 
We believe in the full gospel. We believe that these things were not only for the days of the book of Acts, for the early apostles and disciples back then. No, these works are alive today. Miracles are still going on. Deliverances are still going on. The sick are still being healed. We believe that these works are alive and well today. So what's the application of this that we have heard about today? The application is one, take it. Take it. Just like Elisha did. It says in 2 Kings 2.13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. We have to choose to take it. Will we take up the power and the authority given to us by Jesus. It's been given to us. Now take it. And secondly, use it. Use it. It says in 2 Kings 2.14, Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Use it. Use it. Will we choose to utilize the weapons that God has given us? Will we choose to take up the mantle, put it on, and use it? The symbol of power and authority. We should all be like the three-year-old boy that Paul Harvey talks about, who went to the grocery store with his mother one day. Before they entered the grocery store, his mama gave him some instructions like we often do with our kids before we get into the store because we're trying to avoid something that may happen in the store. So she she told him, now you're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies, so don't even ask. So she put him in the cart, and he sat in the little child's seat as they wheeled down the aisles. And he was doing just fine until they came to the cookie section. When he saw all the cookies, his eyes just got big, and they got glazed over, and he got mesmerized by all those cookies in the cookie aisle. And and he stood up in the seat of the cart, and he said, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, I told you. I told you not even to ask. You're not going to get any at all. So he sat back down. They continued down the aisles, searching for the items that they needed. And somehow they ended up, you know where, back in the cookie aisle. So he said... Once again, Mom, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? Please, please, please. And she said, no, I told you like before. You're not going to have any chocolate chip cookies, so stop asking and sit down and be quiet. Finally, as they approached the checkout lane, the little boy sensed that this was his last chance And so as just before they got to the line of the checkout, he stood up in his seat and said, In the name of Jesus, 
May I have some chocolate chip cookies? And everybody around them started laughing. Some people even started to applaud. And due to the generosity of all the other shoppers, the little boy and his mom went home with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. All right. He utilized the name of Jesus. He utilized the name of Jesus in his little way. But we can utilize the name of Jesus in every circumstance, in every situation. Whenever we face the mountain, we can stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, fulfill your purpose, Jesus. Come and show your power strong in my situation. Bill Johnson says this, it is abnormal for a Christian not to have an appetite for the impossible. It has been written into our spiritual DNA to hunger for the impossibilities around us to bow at the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Right now, as we're praying, I just want you, where you're at, just start to utilize the power and the authority that God has given you. Just start to say the name of Jesus. Just speak it out. Speak it out right now where you're at. Just call upon his name and, and just, just tap into the power that that name represents. The power that created by his word, the world, and everything that exists. That power that that every knee must bow to and every tongue confess. That one day all will see the, the power and the authority that is represented in the name of Jesus. Oh, speak it out this morning. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we call upon your name. Jesus, we know that you are in this place. We thank you for a, a demonstration of power. A demonstration of power, supernatural power that you have given us. Oh, we call on your mighty name that breaks chains, that heals sick bodies, that brings peace to tormented minds, minds that cannot focus. But I thank you that by the power of the name of Jesus, peace has come peace has come today. Oh, Jesus, we call upon your name. We say that your name is higher. It is elevated above all things. All things. Lord, you have sat down in your place of authority, and everything is under your feet. And we thank you. We thank you for power and authority that you are dismantling strongholds this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to mentor and to be mentees. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've clothed us with the power of Jesus in this place. We thank you for the demonstration, Lord, of your glory the weight of your glory that fills your house, that is tangible, is something that is manifested, is something that we can experience. 
It is a real power. Lord, we thank you for your power today. I'm just going to ask for our prayer intercessors and their partners to come up and just to stand here because we're going to utilize the power that's in the name of Jesus this morning. Come on, just stand right here. Just make your way all across this front aisle. They're ready to pray with us this morning. I just sensed as I was praying for this service that we're going to utilize the power of the name of Jesus to heal this morning. And so if you are dealing with any type of sickness in your body, if you're dealing with any type of disease, God is able to heal you this morning. And so I'm going to invite you up. I'm going to invite you to take that step. And we're going to pray for you this morning. And God is going to touch your body. He's going to heal you. He's going to do something that you could not do on your own. God, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching bodies right now. God, as we lay on our hands upon individuals this morning, they will be made whole. Lord, I thank you. The laying on of hands, Lord, the power of the name of Jesus brings wholeness and healing. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're touching, Lord, bodies today.